0: i uh-huh. uh-huh. and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Jodorowski, and this week we're discussing Yusuke Yorameshi from the anime series Yu Yu Hakusho. And joining me for the discussion is returning guest Norman Mitchell. Welcome back Norman.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to be here for what is like quite literally like my
0: one of my favorite anime of all time, like my third favorite show. Um we'll we'll get to it in a second when we talk about like how we came to it, but I definitely remember you talking about this in previous like off air record like we recorded our episodes and we talked about what we might do in the future i feel like this has been on your radar for us to do an episode about for like five years and it, it's like really
1: hard because so much of the story is told in like much longer pieces than mm-hmm. what
0: i i carved out for you here mm-hmm. and also joining us for the discussion is producer andrew hello now we always talk about how we came to it i will just straight up admit I came to it because you asked if we could do an episode about it and I watched the 4 or 5 episodes you asked me to watch yesterday and today. <laughs> and that was my first exposure to uh the world of Yu Yu Hakusho. Ha- Hakusho, ha- Yu Hakusho. Hakusho. Thank you. Uh I'm going to struggle a little with some of the pronunciations. That is my ignorance uh and I just want that to be on me. Uh, <laughs> if, if there's any point where you, anyone is wincing at my pronunciations, just know that is my own ignorance. Uh but I know this is a series that Norman and Andrew, you've both watched and both enjoyed and have mentioned several mm-hmm. times. Uh, so I wasn't shocked that we're finally getting to an episode to talk about it. Uh, Norman, do you remember when you first came to this? I
1: do. I I was maybe a freshman or a sophomore in high school and it was on, I happened to see some episodes of it on Adult Swim, uh, episodes that actually are only like five or six episodes away from what I had you watch. Uh, so they were also like still pretty early. The characters are still kind of like getting their footing in the show, but it was like, the thing that drew me in was that like the character dynamics seemed to be like really fully formed as far as like how these characters get along and who, like what the the core idea of each character was. And I really liked the animation. I never really had seen an action show like this before. Uh, cause you know, I was still pretty young. I hadn't seen a lot of anime yet and it, it stuck with me for a little while, and it wasn't until it had moved from Adult Swim to uh, *Tsunami* on Cartoon Network that I wound up seeing almost all of it. And where *Tsunami* stopped airing the show has forever made me incredibly salty. It it's it's was, a it's a
2: very frustrating uh, non conclusion.
1: It ends on I think it's episode eighty eight, and the name of the episode. Is the death of a spirit detective, and that's the last episode. Tsunami aired.
0: Now, you, <laughs> which is the finale of the series. There are 112 episodes. Uh, yes. in, in the anime.
1: There are there are 24 episodes after that one <laughs> that did not air on Tsunami. <laughs> At least not in the United States.
0: <laughs> All right, just I, I realize that I missed this. For any listeners who who are not aware, uh, which I would guess there's a fair number, because this is a niche text in some ways. Yu Yu Hakusho tells the story of a boy who is killed and becomes an underworld detective. That is the hook that I had going into this series. We'll circle back to that. We are discussing episodes one and episodes nine through thirteen of the anime, and these episodes originally aired in and were produced and aired in 1992 Uh, so that's the the general premise. Uh, dead Boy Becoming Underworld Detective. Uh, yeah. Andrew, how did you come to this series? Uh, I
2: saw it on Toonami. Toonami tsunami is, I would say, for a lot of people, an extremely important cultural artifact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, especially for importing anime and manga into Western culture. Uh, like, this is like Tsunami is the reason that in junior high and high school, there were anime kids. I, I, I would say confidently. Does that feel accurate to you, Norman? Like, is yeah, that, cause Tsunami is that giving too us... much credit to Tsunami or is that? No, right?
1: cause Tsunami brought us, uh, or all at around the same time. Tsunami was airing Ruroni Kenshin, Yu Yu Hakusho, um, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, various uh, various mobile, uh, G Gundam was airing. Gundam, Gundam Seed, Seed was airing was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, aired a, lot out a lot of, of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and-, and then Adult Swim was also like airing so much anime at the time. Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Inuyasha, the big Full Metal um, Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist.
2: Kind of, I'd say Adult Swim had obviously like the harder stuff. Yeah. Um, and Toonami was Saturday nights on Cartoon Network. Yeah. They would do a block of but honestly, ac- like- action, adventure, anime stuff. And it was like Justice League was on and then Yu Yu Hakusho was on.
1: Yeah, Justice League Unlimited, and then there was, like, Roroni Kenshin, Yu Yu Hakusho. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they started airing Naruto. The four kids' oh, dub yeah. of
2: One Piece aired on Toonami briefly. I mean, very briefly, though. And that, I mean, that's not how... People, people got that One Piece stuff from the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Not the Saturday evening good stuff. Yeah. I think they eventually started doing the the better dub. Funim- Toonami, I think the Funimation dub sure.
1: eventually wound up on Toonami, but um, it was a while. It was a while it, after the four kids dub the Funimation started doing it. But yeah,
2: Toonami was just like this block of programming that was just, it was exactly for me and people like me for yeah. a long time. And so it, yeah, it established a lot of pretty fundamental stuff for, you know, me consuming Media and then and then being comfortable like buying manga and watching anime long term and and so I think a lot of people uh, owe owe a lot to Toonami. um Yu Yu Hakusho I feel like was one of the first anime that I was like that I started consistently watching on Toonami I think Rurouni Kenshin and Yu Yu Hakusho I never got into Dragon Ball and I didn't get into Yu Yu Hakusho right away I got into it a little later on, like maybe the next story arc after yeah. this, like halfway. Maze through that, Castle. I, Yeah. I like locked in. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I think I'm going to watch this. And, yeah. and so I started having consistency with it. Um, I remember, you know, being a little bit in and out on it. Just, it, it wasn't like the time slot and the show that I was making a point of watching. And, right. and I, I'm, I'm very like completionist. So if I miss episodes, I feel I, I have a hard time being like, I guess I'll just not see that episode and I'll keep going. And that's a very hard thing for me. And and yeah. and anime, I'd say were way more serialized. Like you kind of need the whole story more so than um way more so than Justice League ever was. Justice League yeah. had had like two part episodes and anime is doing like twenty-four episode arcs. And so it's like, oh, that's half the year. That's six months of the year. That I need to try and sit down at 1130 every Saturday night to to yeah. get what's going on. And so it becomes really hard. And so I remember being a little bit in and out, but always enjoying Yu Yu Hakusho and being like, well, if it's on, like, I can put it on and I'm going to have a pretty enjoyable time. Yeah.
1: I mean, this means something to you, Andrew, but the first episode I ever saw of this show on Adult Swim was the mm. episode where Kuwabara fights Biako. Oh, in
2: maze castle it was the first That's- episode of this i ever saw <laughs> i feel like i feel like i saw at least parts of episodes but i didn't lock in until like some dark tournament stuff
1: yeah i saw that episode and i was like i need to know more about this this this
2: red-haired dude in the blue jumpsuit <laughs> who is this what is mm-hmm. this? and you probably at the time didn't have context to be like oh this guy's a thug this is a japanese like gang member no, not at all. It's just Which, like, what's this funny voice this guy's doing? Yeah, and that's a. I mean, that's another thing. Is like the voice work in this is way broader and weirder than you would get in. I think a, a modern, if they redubbed Yu Yu Hakusho, show, I think yeah. it'd be locked down a lot more.
1: Yeah, and this was only dubbed in, I think, two thousand two. I think was when the dub was made. So there's there's like a ten year period where the only way that people in the West saw this was with like fan translated subtitles.
0: Mm -hmm. I will just say my thought about the voice acting (laughs) is that it felt like almost everyone was doing a parody. Yeah, that's, that's (laughs) what I mean by like broad. (laughs) Yes.
2: And so, yeah, I'm just going to jump in here
0: with my insight. Voice work has come a long way.
1: Voice work (laughs) has come a long way, but I've always felt like Justin Cook, the guy that does Yusuke's voice, I've always been surprised he didn't do more major character voice work because I've always thought the UK voice was like really really good.
2: Yeah, his, his voice I think is I like I think of his voice, um, very naturally when I think of Yu Yu Hakusho, like him shouting something. Yeah, it's like no, that works really well. And then I think of Kuwabara, I'm like, that's a parody. That's really broad. Like I, I that love is, Kuwabara's voice. That so is much. not. I think it's Chris Sabat right doing his voice. I'm like, yeah. that is not Chris's best work.
1: And the the origin of that voice is because Christopher Sabat did so much voice work for Funimation in the late 90s and early 2000s. And he did a lot of like the same kind of thing that Mm -hmm. he didn't want to do the same voice again so he tried to like think about a way to like really differentiate kuwabara from like other voice work he had done because christopher Zabat is the voice of vegeta and piccolo in dbz and they're practically the same voice he does he
2: does a lot of like manly like straight-shouldered yeah he's kind, also of, the... kind of low <laughs> a little bit angry voices
1: <laughs> yeah and like he's been doing like a lot of the same stuff for for 25 years now like he's also that he's the same guy that does the voice for Armstrong and Metal Alchemist and All Might in My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, Joe is probably
0: lost, but that's okay. <laughs> I have watched episodes of those because of this podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: yeah, so if you've got, I mean, like, if you've got a big, tough guy, you it's go. probably Chris Sabat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but he tries to do some slightly different things with it sometimes.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting... For, like, my relationship with anime is I was not an anime kid. <laughs> like, all this was hitting the West just a few years too late. Like, Andrew's my younger brother. He got into it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but, so I never did. Like, I am aware of its cultural impact and significance, but I've never like consumed it as like my primary go-to. I want to be entertained. I'm going to watch an anime. Well, I even, have an even agenda, the wave, <laughs> even a way, like the wave of Pokemon was just a little too late. Right. Uh, for me and my experience, but because of this podcast, I have now watched uh, probably a dozen, Anime, or at least read a dozen anime or manga and anime, watched anime. Yeah, you, you know, you've engaged with,
2: with at least a dozen different ones of these.
0: I think Norman's been on for about half of those. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Norman's our go to uh, yeah. <laughs> to anime or manga. Um, I, like this one, I could feel like the like the like we've done Trigon and Roroni Kenshin. The the voice work for some of the the side characters, not the main ones, just felt a little broader in, in you know than I expected from my consumption of some of the other anime that we've done. Yeah,
1: I think sometimes that Yu Yu Hakusho dub to kind of leans into a little bit sillier voices for the bad guys, because a lot of them are like really one off <laughs> demons that they, the voice actor wants to make memorable in some way.
0: All right, I will say I had like this was on Hulu on my laptop and I had paused an episode because I had to go teach a class <laughs> and then I came back <laughs> and I opened up my laptop and the demon bat voice all of a sudden started coming from my laptop. And I had no context at all. All of a sudden, like I had stepped away from my laptop. I just opened it up in my office and stepped away. And all of a sudden, the demon bat voice was coming through. And it was one of the creepiest things I have ever experienced. Hulu does not memory. like to stay paused. Hulu just unpauses itself. I hate it. <laughs> and it took me like like 10 seconds, like, where is that coming from? What was it? Like I just lost all context of the you know, the show that I had on a little tiny window on my laptop. <laughs> um yeah i
2: i well and one thing that i think is maybe like it 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 doesn't like give context to this but i think it'll give you a better sense of like how to take some of the weird stuff in like this 90s anime is think of it as like some of the weird stuff in the late 80s early 90s like never-ending story Mm-hmm. like that bat guy fits into never ending story yeah really yeah. well or, and the uh, voice work that you get for those kinds of characters is like yeah that's like the voice stuff that's going on in never ending story or right return and to also oz, you know that yeah thing. return to oz kind of stuff
1: also i think people don't realize like how much like the the japanese side of the enemy production like gives notes to the english side for like the dub sometimes because a lot of times like The voice in Japanese is also like kind of unique or exaggerated or has a tone Mm -hmm. that they are trying to communicate to the people doing the English dub. No, this needs to have like this kind of a tone or that character needs to sound like an exaggerated like 10 year old or that character should have a different accent than the rest of the characters around them. So like these artifacts of the way that stuff was kind of done at the time is adhering like way more closely to some
2: of those notes or like some of those ideas. Right. They try to do a certain amount of like performance matching.
1: Right. Which doesn't come, doesn't cross the language barrier when you're like reading subtitles, but is the goal of doing like an actual like translated vocal performance. Mm -hmm. And
2: and, and sometimes it's, it's a really weird kind of thing where uh, like the Japanese vocal performance could be intentionally like, homaging a famous Japanese actor that we do not have a context for. And it's like, oh, it's like they're doing a John Wayne impression, but it's their John Wayne and not our John Wayne. And so we don't, we don't understand that. And so it would be like translating the language, but then it's like, oh, but they're supposed to sound like John Wayne. It's like, well, nobody's going to get that. That makes him a cowboy.
1: Right. But then sometimes it will like turn into an homage to like some famous actor from America instead. Mm-hmm. In, in some of these anime
2: well and then there's like there's references in it where they talk about a character having a certain kind of japanese accent and that right. means that they're rural or they're posh or right or something which is and how like,
1: people wind up with southern accents in a lot of like mm-hmm. uh english dubs is it's because they're from a rural part of japan so they have that rural dialect and so they're
2: trying to make it sound like rural but it's like well the context doesn't translate completely yeah but it's and, like make it sound like they're lower class right and then fancy people sound british like people that are part of bureaucracies
1: like Botan. Right.
0: Well, that, that's, that's been a tradition for, for uh, no reason at all in, in Hollywood adaptations of things forever. Like whatever yeah. the time period is villain, British or upper-class British, right? Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, a little bit of trivia. Yuyu Yu Akusho was a manga series written and illustrated by Yoshihiro Tagashi. That's and correct. The, ah, nailed it. The manga ran from 1990 to 1994. And was 175 chapters long, collected into 19 volumes. Which, on the one hand, that sounds like so much, but on the other hand, I've talked that's, about enough that's not manga very much. <laughs> to know. Oh, only 19 volumes. That's that's nothing compared to some of the manga that we've talked about on this on this podcast. Oh yeah, uh, the anime is 112 episodes. I guess unless you were watching a tsunami, then it was 88 episodes. From what <laughs> Norman <laughs> told us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the original uh, like the Japanese anime aired from October 1992 to December 1994. They really like. There's no see- off season for anime, is there?
1: There really didn't used to be. Some mm-hmm. newer stuff still isn't seasonal, like One Piece runs year round. But a lot of newer stuff is seasonal, and part of the reason that it run it doesn't stop is because the studios producing the anime are very protective of the time slot that it's in to try to get more viewers. So if they take a break, they could lose that time slot at the TV and station. they might not get it back and they might not get it back. That's a big reason that there's a lot. There's some anime that doesn't stop.
0: OK, because, yeah, I was looking at that episode count and then that timeline like that is not the American release schedule for new <laughs> no, entertainment. It is not.
1: <laughs> it also is like pretty concurrent with the manga. So the the tail end of the anime uh, is mostly adapting things that are just from like a few months ago when the the anime is making the episodes Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, it
2: has to be stressful oh yeah that's where you get into like the filler filler stuff which we're not going to dig into here i will say it does uh i think it's something that cartoon network really liked because there were some times where they were very happy to air an anime uh six days a week because there were 120 episodes that they (laughs) got as a a whole thing and there's like oh we'll just do this at 7 p.m every single day and we're fine like we've got programming locked in now for for 6 months uh-huh um, and it was cheap for them to license mhm not
0: anymore uh, yeah <laughs> no
2: it's it's not the same anymore
0: yeah all right so yoshihiro tagashi married naiko Ta- takeuchi who is the author of Sailor Moon in 1999 and uh, Yu Yu Hakusho proved to be popular in the Philippines, where it was rerun several times and managed to draw more viewers in the primetime slot than both local and foreign soap operas. Uh, and uh, there's a note here. I, this is, Norman, you put this trivia in, but the, the names of the characters in the Philippines dub are very different.
1: Yes. Uh, Yusuke is Eugene. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Botan is Charlene. Uh, Keiko is Jenny. His mom is Susie. Kuwabara's name is Alfred and uh genkai <laughs> is master jeremiah and koenma is master jericho
0: it, uh, you know <laughs> it's a strange world out there with with media that's going global and has to adapt to different languages and cultures right, right?
1: And like local <laughs> names that people use and stuff it's really yeah. interesting to me it just <laughs> seems very funny to like change like his name Yusuke skate yuji and that that makes a certain amount of sense to me but kuwabara <laughs> alfred <laughs> You couldn't find another like sounding name like Kevin, Kevin.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) all right well uh before we run into the summary of these episodes listeners we want to thank you for downloading this episode and we especially want to thank that any of you who support us on patreon if you'd like to support us financially we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month all supporters on patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts which are shorter episodes which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we're not yet covering as full episodes of this podcast and we also give updates on our fantasy box office game and all patrons who support us with five dollars per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss on to the Spoiler Zone summary of these episodes. So episode number one is called Surprise to be Dead. 14-year-old Yusuke Yorameshi is hit by a car when he saves a kid. The kid's soccer ball had gone into the street. Yusuke runs after him and gets hit by the car. Now he's dead, and he's not too put out about it, actually. He doesn't think anyone's going to miss him. Botan, a girl who claims to be the Grim Reaper, explains that he was not scheduled to die. The spirit world is surprised that he's here already. Also, by the way, the kid would have survived anyway, so your death was meaningless. Uh, Botan (laughs) allows Yusuke to go and see his funeral, Tom Sawyer style, and he's surprised that there's some people who are sad that he died. Uh, Botan grants him a chance to be revived. Then we're going to jump to episode nine. I have some questions about what happened in between yeah, here yeah, real I'll, quick. I'll fill you in. I'll, I'll right. fill
2: you in when you
1: get, when get after well, the summaries.
0: Well,
2: well talk no, I think I think you should give them give okay. Joseph a, a, a quick context for okay. it.
1: Okay, so some, some uh, very condensed uh, summary of those seven episodes that you skipped. So... Uh, Yusuke and Botan go to the spirit world. He meets uh, basically the assistant manager of the spirit world, Gwenma who is the little talking baby guy that you see in the episodes that you watch. With the, with the junior
2: on his hat, very, the junior very hat.
0: unexpected character design.
1: Yes, uh, he's like the the assistant uh, manager of the spirit world. His dad is the boss. I think, um, I, think uh, I think he's the Dwight Schrute. Okay, all right, but he's a baby. But he's he's a baby. But he's also like eons old because it, it, it's a thing he's he's very old. He's like a... I mean, he's
2: he's part of Heaven and Hell.
1: Yeah, he's basically a god, like a like a minor god uh, in the way that we would think about it in the West. Um, he offers Yusuke a chance to be revived. He gives him a golden egg that's like, uh, the way that you act while you're a ghost will influence whether or not this hatches and saves you or hatches and eats you. Uh, and then he's like, I've put life back in your body. You've got to go tell them not to cremate you. He possesses Kuabara to tell Keiko not to so his body doesn't get burned uh because Kuabara is sensitive to the spirit world. And then like event like he 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 uses Kuabara to do that, his body gets saved, and then the next few episodes just kind of deal with him uh watching and waiting and like doing his best to kind of help uh Kuabara and Keiko with just kind of things that they're dealing with while he's still a ghost. This includes Kuabara uh promising not to fight with any thugs for a week to save one of his friends like after school job because all the teachers are jerks at this <laughs> school, except for one uh oh, I- then he he gets brought back to life y- yusuke comes back because he passes this trial by sacrificing it uh sacrificing this part of his spirit that's being used for the egg to save keiko from a fire uh, he does a little bit of actual spirit detective work for like four episodes,
2: and then we're here.
0: <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, so yeah, yeah I was gonna, he is—he like,
2: is, he is alive. He is back. Okay, but he now has a connection to the the spirit world, and the Grim Reaper Botan comes <laughs> and gives him assignments sometimes. Yeah, like his he, handler. He gets,
1: he gets a minor demon that's possessing some punk, like to stop bullying Kuabara. Who he's controlling Kuabara by threatening a kitten to tell you how soft of a person Kuabara is.
0: <laughs> All right, I just gotta say, I love the openness to anything that is present in manga and anime. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah, you know, th- this is a story that has, you know, just whatever it-, it could be present, and everyone's just kind of like, makes sense. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, and and then like they use the, they use the term psychic
2: a lot in this show and these episodes to kind of mean anyone with superpowers but it's all related to the spirit world yeah ish the word that i i'm pretty sure they're using in the japanese script is esper
1: like mm-hmm. esp yeah like e- extrasensory perception psychic stuff they just use that to refer to like anyone that has like powers of the mind or powers you can't quite explain in a lot of like uh anime and manga
0: all right So now we're up to episode nine. The search begins. Again, remember, Underworld Detective, this episode's called The Search Begins. Uh, (laughs) I thought I was going to be watching a mystery show.
1: (laughs) The manga has a lot longer section of him actually doing
2: that at the beginning. Uh, But but then it does abandon it. And and this show is not really about, like, this is not a detective show. This is not a procedural in... In most cases, this is really about a guy who fights at tournaments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah, yeah. is a
0: tournament championship story arc that I had Spirit here.
1: bounty hunter might actually be closer. Yeah. Mercenary <laughs> thug for
2: hire.
0: <laughs> so so Yusuke is now a spirit detective or underworld detective. I saw him called both those things. Uh, and he's going to enter a tournament to gain powers from master Genkai. Did I say that right?
1: Yes, he did. Genkai. Okay.
0: Uh, a huge crowd has gathered for the chance to win Genkai's powers. Yusuke is warned that a demon in disguise is in this group trying to gain Genkai's powers, so he must win. The first test is a drawing, not like like just a lottery, basically. Uh, But it says if a contestant has enough spiritual power, they will turn their paper red. Most participants do not, but Yusuke and uh, Kuubara... And dozens of others do succeed. But this has culled a lot of this mass. And then there's going to be another round of tests at a, a video game arcade. And only 12 <laughs> contestants are going to make it out of the video game arcade. The third challenge is to pass through a dangerous forest. And Yusuke, oh, like uh, Genkai is going to run to a meetup point Everyone else has to just make their way through the forest knowing that there's dangerous things in there. The most dangerous being the demon bat. Yusuke uh, is going to go on a straight line, which takes him straight to face the demon bat. He eventually will defeat this bat that has a very creepy voice, especially if you don't know where it's coming from in your office. Uh, However, it takes (laughs) so long that he arrives just after Genkai's time limit has passed. However, Genkai is impressed that he faced a bat demon. So, she's going to bend the rules and allow him to just continue. Uh, now there are eight competitors left. Episode 10, uh, Kuubara's spirit sword. The next round takes place in complete darkness. Visually. I loved this episode. A lot of great shading that's happening. Just really worked aesthetically. Genkai it, says, I have a really
2: good way of, of like indicating to you that the, like you get to see the character, but the character cannot see anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Genkai says they should be able to use their spirit energy to see if their spirit energy is strong enough. So the contestants are going to go face off one-on-one. We're going to go down from eight to four, uh, in his duel. Koibara unleashes a spirit sword that he didn't know he could summon, but that allows him to win his fight. Now, Yusuke's, uh, mentor Botan comes and offers to help Yusuke identify the demon. She's not actually going to do a whole lot to do this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but <it's>... uh, <laughs> around. Yusuke, yeah, I, I it felt like more like, uh, it's like uh, when there's a favorite side character in a sitcom, they got to show up every episode just because that's what Botan's appearance here <laughs> felt like. <laughs> Botan
1: exists largely for exposition. She does do stuff here and there throughout the story. Yeah. <laughs> Yusuke, and and, and you know. she is
2: like, she is his handler,
0: right? Yeah. She's going to send him on the missions or enter him in tournaments. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use K faces off against a man named Cabano Cabano wears this fancy headset that is actually night vision goggles, so he can completely see everywhere that Yusuke is. He's easily gaining the upper hand over Yusuke in their duel. Episode 11, hard fights for Yusuke. Yusuke is able to place a smoldering tip of a cigarette onto his opponent's belt when they're grappling, which lets him see where he is. Yusuke uses his energy blast. It's called like a spirit gun, is what he calls it. But it's just like, he blasts like pew pew from his fingers. Yeah. (laughs) And energy comes out of his fingers, and it's a spirit gun. And this breaks the night vision goggles, and he wins the fight. So he's advancing uh, from these duels. The next challenge is at the Wilderness of Spirits. Yusuke faces off against kazemaru who throws shurikens that seek out their target and yusuke knows like i used up a lot of my energy in that duel <laughs> like I'm, I'm probably not gonna win that fight he communicates to Kuobara, like you've got to beat the demon because i'm i'm just about out of this he's running around avoiding the shurikens uh and he runs towards kazemaru when he suddenly disappears the shuriken hits Kuobara. people think yusuke has used a new hidden power to disappear but he really just fell into a small pond.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I did enjoy that. Uh <laughs> as Kuabara faces off against Shorin, Botan says that Shorin must be the demon in disguise, which by process of elimination I think the audience was all in. Thank you, Botan, though. So yeah. uh episode twelve. Rando rises, Kuabara falls. The episode title kind of gives away the plot here. I'm really That's very common in anime. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The 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 episode title is I mean, you're watching it not to find out what happens, but to see how it happens.
0: Okay. Uh, well, my summary is going to be a little brief on that. Shoren defeats Koabara <laughs> 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 With an array of powers that reveal that Shoren is, in fact, the demon named Rando. Uh, Yusuke attacks Shorin in the final round of this contest. Seems to win, but then Rando rises again, like uh, in, in his next form. <laughs> More powerful than ever. He's dropping the facade that he's anything but the demon. Classic
2: anime stuff, right?
0: Right, yeah. The the heroes wins, but then really the monster's like three times bigger now because it was weakened. (laughs) This isn't even my final form. (laughs) Episode 13, Yusuke versus Rando, 99 attacks. Again, I now know what's going to happen. (laughs) Rando is just going to beat up Yusuke really, really Well, like, Rando's on point. Yusuke is not. Uh, Definitely Rando is winning. Yusuke is, in fact, knocked unconscious and lands in a lake. Rando, getting cocky, begins an incantation to shrink Yusuke down to the size of a bug. But he realizes that uh, I'm shrinking instead. And Genkai explains that a wise person can just cover their ears during an incantation and it will bounce back, like I am rubber, you are glue style, onto the caster of the incantation. Uh, However, Yusuke is unconscious, so how is he plugging his, like, covering his ears? Yusuke wakes up and shakes lake water out of his ears, and then defeats Genkai. Or no, not Genkai, sorry. He defeats Rando. Uh, Botan takes Rando to the spirit world. Genkai heals Korobara. Korobara was in a bad way after his fight with Rando. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, But he's been healed, so everything's better now. And Genkai will now train Yusuke. There we are. (laughs) Ta-da! Uh, Norman, you have mentioned several times in this recording and also off air in previous recordings that this is one of your very favorite animes. What is it about Yusuke uh, as a character or Yu Yu Hakusho as uh, a series that has so resonated with you? So part of it, I think, is I was just like the
1: right age when I first saw some of this. Uh, So it really just kind of stuck with me as being so different from other things I'd seen before. But Yusuke specifically, I think is maybe my favorite version of like the punk with a heart of gold character type. Mm -hmm. Um, And Yusuke really, really grows across this whole story. Um, Yusuke, Kuwabara doesn't grow as much as Yusuke does. Kuwabara is more of kind of the flat, like this person is just really good at his core Kind of character who bleeds out and affects the others around him, because it's very hard to like not just kind of root for Kuwabara because he is such a kind person and is willing to do absolutely anything to help someone in trouble uh, up to and including uh, nearly dying,
2: which I mean, like it, it is interesting to have Kuwabara presented in that way, which I think is is totally accurate but he is also a local tough who gets into fights constantly. And it's like, they're not noble fights. He is still a punk. He is still a punk. He just, he needs to be the strongest, but the core
1: of (laughs) Kuobara is that he feels (laughs) like he needs to be the strongest. He feels like he needs to be the strongest so he can protect the people around him that are weaker than him that he cares about. That's like a big part of who car
2: is. So, so Um, there is, there is a nobility to it, but it's like, but also he's picking a lot of unnecessary fights. Right. Yeah, he, he does.
1: He's just like, I'm, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest, biggest tough guy here. You need to deal with me. And Yusuke is just like, no, actually, that's me. This guy's an idiot. Um, but so like Yusuke is also like this punk with a heart of gold. There's a lot of complexity to who Yusuke is. He's got a lot of walls between him and other people. Some of it shines through here and there.
2: I think, I think Yusuke's got a, wall, a lot of walls between him and himself.
1: Oh yeah, that too. Like 100%. Like his his closest relationships across this whole story are with uh, Kuwabara and Genkai, at least the way that we get to see most of it play out. His relationship with Keiko is the one that he's like the most open with, but there's a couple of big things that are always held back between him and Keiko. And they're both like that with each other throughout like the entire story. Uh, but over the course of the story, he becomes much, much closer and more open with kuwabara and genkai specifically Mm -hmm. uh to the point that there are so many emotional moments with uh yusuke's relationship to those two characters that are just kind of forever a part of like like moments and stories that are always going to live with me um there's some of which like has really silly dialogue and like doesn't make any sense like out of context but like is always just something that's in my brain Um, like the music in this show even though it is it never changes like the score from the first handful of episodes is (laughs) for all 112 episodes like it's always the same emotional music it's the same action music it's the same sound effects but all of it just has worked for me for so long that just hearing the emotional music in this show can occasionally make me a little teary-eyed because i'm so connected to some of these characters um, especially during Yusuke's funeral in the first episode. I think Yusuke's funeral in the first episode says so much about who he actually is and not how he tries to present himself to others because of who shows up and who shows up sincerely.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, not just who he presents himself, but how he perceives himself. Like He does yeah. not have a true sense of his place in his social circle.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So like he doesn't understand why Kuwabara would be upset at his passing. And it takes a long time, too, for like the viewer to really understand why Kuwabara cares so much about Yusuke. There's like this. It's never super explicit, but like a big part of who Kuwabara is, is that Yusuke is his goal. Kuwabara doesn't feel like he has any worth. Like as someone like trying to get stronger to protect others around him or for its own sake, if he doesn't have someone to try to be better than and that's yusuke and he also understands that yusuke like cares about other people in a way that most other people don't see and it takes mm-hmm. a while for yusuke to also understand that about kuwabara
2: yeah yusuke has a lot of aloofness toward especially towards kuwabara initially yeah and, and somehow kuwabara sees through that or or he you know like uh, i mean well they they establish kuwabara has a type of sensitivity outside of his intelligence. And, and so I think there's something m- maybe you know subtextual about that where Kuwabara has a sense of who Yusuke is uh, contrary yeah. to all of the evidence.
1: Yeah, um, f- for Andrew mostly and for people that, are, listen- that have, are listening to this that have watched One Piece, like Kuwabara is much more like Luffy. He just mm-hmm. understands people and he yeah. knows what the people around him need and he's pretty much always willing to provide what he can
2: yeah like he is going to easily hone in on the fact that oh this person is a scumbag and this person is actually fine right this person is trustworthy this person is not like
1: there is um there's an episode during the dark tournament uh arc of this show there there's a a section of it where they are fighting a group of people that are mind controlled And Kuwabara is the first person to realize that. And he can hear their minds crying out for help through the control. And so he refuses to fight them. And it's like one of the more powerful pieces of characterization in the whole story for Kuwabara, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because it it takes so long for him to, like, really get through to Yusuke and uh, and Genkai. That they shouldn't be fighting back against these people. That there's more to do here.
2: It's. I think Coolbar is a. I mean, I, I guess we're like going to dive into Coolbar as a character. At, yeah, at this it point. seems like that's where you guys <laughs> oh, are heading. Let's go ahead like, and do Coolbar discussion. But he is. A, he's a, a really interesting character to have as like the tough guy. But his superpower isn't his toughness. His superpower is his sensitivity and, and i mean that in, in, in like multiple levels but it's like no it's he has a sensitivity to like the people around him but also he he has a sensitivity to what's worth fighting for and when is it not worth fighting and like like his his gut instincts are pretty on point and everything and and I don't think those are qualities that are usually brought in for a tough guy character. Right.
1: And like Yusuke is similar. Yusuke does kind of understand when someone is just a jerk versus like if they're a jerk for a reason. And it's part of how relationships with other characters like really grow forth with Yusuke and Kuwabara because they do kind of inherently understand that about each other. That they are both good people even Mm -hmm. though they they fight constantly but yusuke also recognizes this about genkai although it's not as apparent here in these episodes
2: this this series is full of tough people who have a heart of gold or have you know a sensitivity to right and wrong even even though they're they're tough and mean and arguing and yelling and 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 all of those things that's like 90% of this show.
1: Yeah. Like I think in the first episode, it's really interesting to think about what those, what Keiko's friends are saying about Yusuke as just being the exact opposite of who he actually is. Like he is a punk. He hates authority. He doesn't go to school. He breaks rules. Yeah. he's, He's totally delinquent, but he has like a really strong sense of justice. He can't stand to be told what to do. And he sees that so much of the hierarchy and the power structures around him are are crap. They're corrupt. They don't do anything to help him or anyone else. But and but so he, like, also... he constantly butts
0: heads with authority because the bureaucracy is useless. Mm-hmm. So when when Yusuke comes back to life, uh is he still having to go to school and stuff as he's also this death detective or Yeah.
1: <laughs> Technically yes, although he does he does but miss he, he, a lot of time. He's totally
0: delinquent. Cuz <laughs> so I was going to say <laughs> It didn't but come he's, up. he's still it supposed just, to be a 14-year-old that kid. That I watched. <laughs> that he was missing yeah. school to go be in this. Uh, oh, no, he's, he's missing tournament. out on his, his, long, uh, his long weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Because to go to a rock concert, right?
2: Yeah. Um, and, but, and at the end of this, he's going to miss six months of school. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do like a six-month time jump. Um, but, like, yeah, the, the reason that he is going along with this and and he's going to whine and complain and all that sort of stuff. He, the real reason that he's going along with it is because if he doesn't, then bad things are going to happen. And so he does have a sense of like great power comes great responsibility yeah. to it where he's like, okay, I'm going to be salty. I'm going to be a gruff. I'm not going to have a good attitude. I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm taking this seriously or anything, but he's going to put his life on the line because it's to protect people. And they even, I mean, they also it's it's like the authority figures like Botan and Koenma and have to help him save face by saying, also, we'll give you tickets to this rock concert. Even it's like we know you're going to do it because it's the right thing to do but we also know that you don't like acting like you do things for the right reasons so we're going to give you a stupid reason and you can pretend that that's the reason you're doing this <laughs> right
1: like everything you need to know about yusuke is in that first episode he he's at school for like the first day in months he immediately kind of breaks the rules leaves gets in trouble and then on his way home He saves a he like tries to help a kid that's playing in the street. He spends the time to make that kid laugh and make that kid feel comfortable before he leaves. And then he turns around to save the kid when the kid like gets in trouble again. Like that's who Yusuke is, is who he is on the street in that episode.
2: And it's I think it's such an interesting concept in that first episode for like the Grim Reaper to say, you know, this isn't what we expected out of you. (laughs) Like this, that's like, well, this is an omniscient spirit world that knows when people are going to die. Like, how can how can their expectations be subverted? And and I think the explanation is just, oh, well, we actually just have statistical probabilities. There are things that surprise us. Right. And and so we, uh... we expected this of we expected something, a certain kind of behavior pattern from you. And we're right almost always, but you did something that we just didn't see coming.
0: Uh, yeah. So use K like his selflessness disrupts their, their expectations there. Right. And I love, I love the little like jab of like the kid would have been fine. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, That that makes me laugh every time. (laughs) He he would have had one less
2: scrape on his left arm. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this would have been a better situation if you hadn't acted selflessly. And so you know, we didn't even assume that you would because it's not a beneficial situation. Right. It's Uh, just so funny. So, so he can't even act selflessly
0: effectively. Right. (laughs) Well, and, and even like, uh, so so this isn't like a chosen one narrative in any way. Right. Like he's, he's not fated for glory. He kind of, uh, accidentally, well, well, stupidly gets himself killed, but ends up giving him some powers uh, and a role to fulfill. But even when he's trying to fulfill that role, he's not it's not like he really wins this tournament. <laughs> you know, no. he, only, he advances through. OK, he, he advances through skill early on. But when it's actually getting to the heavy hitters, he loses except for dumb luck. Yeah, he, right. He, he, Which he is, is why he
1: needs a mentor and why now he's going to go through a, a yeah. training, a training thing with with Genkai.
0: And I quite like that because sometimes in these kinds of narratives where it is, you know, a chosen one, like when it comes to the big finale, the the creative impulse is to give them the big moment to show them why they're so cool, why they're, you know, why they're the best. And it's like, wh- how come they're able to do that when all these people with massive years of training can't? And in right. this one, it's like, well, he's going to get the training because he defeated people with all the the massive years of training, but he only defeated them because he fell into a pond because he got water in his ear. Yeah. Right. dumb luck. So,
2: and so there's like, there are things where he, he does like tough it out or he does figure it out. So the like, with the, with like the cigarette butt, like the cigarette butt is like, okay, he figured out a way to deal with the situation, but he can't do that twice with that one. Right. He can't, he can't replicate that the right. next time he needs to with the, the demon bat. He says, okay, This is wasting my time. I spent a bunch of time just like dealing with you so I could figure out your attack pattern so I could hit you once. But it's like, oh, it's not because he was smart. He had to spend a bunch of time doing that because he he needed time to figure it out. Like he had to wait it out. So that was mostly being tough and resilient. And and then he gets like, yeah, he gets moss stuck in his ears. And so it's like, well, that one worked out. Yeah, he, he was unconscious. Like, he lost the fight. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's not, the, it's not the last time that Yusuke gets really lucky.
1: Um, And also, like, doesn't... Also not the last time he's going to win a fight because someone else gives him their energy for, for help. That happens more than once because Yusuke is just not enough on his own, which is one of the things I also really like about the storytelling in Yu in Yu Hakusho. Yusuke, some of the biggest fights in the story, Yusuke wins explicitly because he has help from people that care about him.
2: Mm -hmm. which which i feel like is a common thing in manga and anime is like the strength of relationships or the strength of community is in this case it's like literally i'm giving you my spirit go yeah Mm -hmm. but but you know that tends to be like the kind of advantage that you see in yeah the power of friendship in in, in manga and anime yeah like it's corny power friendship stuff but also it's like well no they actually like stepped up and like I was unconscious, and so they rescued me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I I just really like Yusuke as a character. I think he, he's just, like, really... The way he grows is, like, really interesting to watch mm-hmm. across, like, 112 episodes. The way walls start to come down, the way he starts to understand himself better, the way he will more openly, like, admit his care for, like, Kubara, Genkai, Keiko,
0: eventually. That's the last one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I, I feel like we kind of described Kubara enough that any listener who's never watched this is going to have a sense of who he is as a character. How would you describe, um, you, oh, no, no, now I'm panicking about pronunciations here. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you, uh, dis- describe, uh, Yusuke?
2: He's, I think he's kind of presented almost like a greaser. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's a street punk with a heart of gold.
1: Like that's, he's he's the the rebel that actually cares. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty common trope. That's, that's what Yusuke is. I just think in general, he's a particularly well done version.
2: And, and, and is like his tough guy aesthetic is like white t-shirt and jeans.
1: Uh-huh. Right, I I actually the out a lot of the outfits in this show, and then like in the story, I really like in the in like the, all the human world stuff because it it takes place in the eighties. So like you get people wearing like leather jackets and like high waisted pants and all the and like mm-hmm. the the tight belts. I I should have specified
2: high waisted jeans, white t shirts
1: Yeah, he's got a he got his sneakers on. He's got like the puffy like windbreaker with the big collar, mm-hmm. like stuffs bright collars. He wears a lot of plaid underneath clothes a lot you'll see he wears a plaid shirt all the time in some of the some of the other stuff like as you go through this Um, he almost always has his hair slicked back but i actually really like how yusuke mm -hmm. looks with his hair down is there a sense of what he's rebelling against just general authority kind of a crappy life he feels trapped Mm -hmm. in like his single parent household with like no real future which one of the things the show never tells you but is, gives a lot of context to his home life is that Yusuke's mom at the beginning of the series when Yusuke is 14 his mom is 29
0: that, I'm doing some math here
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that makes her 15 Joseph uh,
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. No. I, 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 that, that, that math checks out you never do math live in, in a recording but right. uh, that does check out his, his mom, mom is 29 so I, could,
2: so I could add it up
1: right his his mom is 29 she's raising yusuke on her own she doesn't seem to like have any kind of employment or she like so she's got to rely on some kind of help from other things in the manga it seems that she has contacts in the criminal underworld in some way (laughs) but that's never like that never comes up in the anime that pretty much just doesn't exist in the way that the the anime is put together um Cause she's involved in stuff later in the manga that she's not involved in in the anime because of the way that the story wound up getting told while they were like close to the manga and stuff. But so like, she's 29, she's raising this kid on her own. She doesn't know how to, she can't discipline him very well. He, he doesn't respect like her authority or anyone else's authority because she's so young. Like she's an alcoholic because of what she's been through. And then she's 29. She has this 14 year old delinquent son and then he dies in a car
0: accident. What is she supposed to do? In the logic of this world, is it explained why he's alive again? Like for people who don't know that he's now the underworld detective.
1: They gloss over it and they're just like, they were wrong. He had a heartbeat. Like her, his mother is checking his body and yeah, actually like, realizes that he's still alive.
0: He like doesn't everything. go to the hospital or anything.
1: Like he had to have at some point because like they were planning <laughs> to cremate him. Like he had to have gone to hospital. I mean, that's we're, my assumption, medics, but like, it's not evident. Medics picked him up off the street. Like they checked his pulse, but like his mom is just checking his body, uh, randomly. And before Keiko can actually get back to tell her like to not do anything, she has realized he's alive. So like that entire episode,
2: Uh, episode three was like necessary
1: that whole episode of that was like totally unnecessary which is just kind of like a joke at the end of the episode
2: but it's like it's big for like relationship stuff yeah Mm -hmm.
0: well and you do feel like like that opening episode which you've already praised norman it does give you a real sense of uh relationships and, and emotions right like and it allows him to see uh like the true feelings of people who cared about him in a way that doesn't let him to put up, put up that cynical Gen X kind of attitude about like, Oh, you know, because there's nothing performative about how they're reacting at his funeral. This is, you know, his funeral. Uh, They don't know that he's seeing it. Whereas every other positive reaction in his life or interaction in his life, he could probably do some like, well, what's in it for you? Uh, Kind of attitude. Right. Right.
1: And he also, he can't, he can't, he also can't really do that with Genkai because Genkai is like this much older, much stronger, much wiser person who really there's not a whole lot in it for her personally, other than a legacy
0: to like train him. Mm-hmm. But, and but she, she doesn't, doesn't look at
2: him specifically for that. Right. Like, she, she, didn't, she, seek was, him she would out. have
0: been fine training the demon, it seems like. Like, if right. the demon won, the demon won. Really, she <laughs> like, wouldn't in the have grand been, scheme of that's things. Like, that's a later thing. <laughs> he never
1: rando actually never could have taken genkai's power because of what it actually is it oh. would have killed him
0: uh, so maybe she really would have been fine if he'd gotten it <laughs> oh, yeah here
1: you go <laughs> like what what genkai's power actually is and what it represents is uh, cannot be taken by someone with like an evil heart pretty much like you have to be a good person in order for her power to be able to work for you uh, that's like really laid out in a later part of the story where she's probably a little bit of a retcon. It. it might be a little bit of a retcon, but I don't know if it really is. There's actually like, there's a lot of little stuff in the first part of the story that maybe hint towards some ideas that the author had that paid off later. Um, that would be like super spoilers for like
0: things at the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share about the series?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Genkai is actually, like, one of my favorite mentors in a story because she's so harsh with Yusuke, but also, like, really clearly starts to care about him, which you don't really get here. Uh, but if anyone is watching this show and, like, really, like, starts to get into it, um, Genkai's relationship with Yusuke is pretty interesting and pretty deeply affecting because she becomes, like... In a lot of ways, she becomes the father mm-hmm. f- figure that Yusuke never had. Like she is this kind of like strong masculine presence in his life that directs him on how to use his strength for good. That's who Genkai is like functionally in the story. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a side of Genkai that is like pretty soft and feminine and her relationship to another character in the story is like really built around that. And it leads to both like a juxtaposition and a really good payoff in
2: the dark tournament arc.
0: Uh, Andrew, any final thoughts about
2: this? Uh, I, I might want to like go back through and, and watch the whole show. Yeah. I've, I think that the
1: only anime I've rewatched more than you, Show is probably Trigun. And this is five, four and a half times the length. and i've watched this i've probably watched you hack a show a dozen times
2: yeah i like i've never i've never finished it and i've never there's a lot of episodes that i've just never seen and so (sighs) i i i might want to like go through the whole thing properly i love the last episode it's contentious with some fans of the anime but i love the last episode of this show oh so exciting now i really gotta watch it (laughs)
0: And uh for any listeners who are wanting to watch it, this is available on Hulu, uh, with ads. And uh where else do you say people can find it, Norman? Uh it's also available
1: on Crunchyroll. Um if you're in a part of the world that still has the Funimation app, it's on the Funimation app. Um for however long Sony leaves that up in different regions. Um <laughs> do, do they know it's up? Do they <laughs> I I don't know. Like
0: <laughs> Oh all these corporations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alright, well thank you for recommending this I did enjoy watching these episodes And oh, how did you I, like the opening? I, oh, I, you know I am a sucker For a good <laughs> anime theme song This one wasn't as poppy as uh, Like Rurouni Kenshin's Rurouni uh, Kenshin's a real weird A real weird tone in that opening Oh, I think Rurouni Kenshin's my favorite still And this is probably six or seven years ago That you asked me to watch Rurouni Kenshin I have to go double check, but it's been a while
2: Because <laughs> Rurouni Kenshin has just like the hardest guitar riff into this weird bubble bubblegum pop, but it also is still doing like the the action fighting scenes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it's perfection is what you're trying to describe, Andrew. <laughs> uh, the
1: freckles is just like super iconic as an anime opening. Um, the the name of this song is "Your Smile Makes My Heart Explode" or Smile Bomb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic it just, just i don't know if that's a translation issue or what but i love it it is so great
1: um and you actually get to hear the song in full in the last episode and this opening <laughs> never changes for all 112 episodes
0: of the show i i did like it uh again it's probably a tier below the ruroni kenshin that's for fair. my that's for my fair. anime openings
2: I, I love this opening <laughs> I, I would love to ask a quick question joseph yeah of the characters that you see in the opening or the closing credits uh that you didn't see in these episodes who do you think is is your favorite?
0: Oh, I I I'd have to go look at it again to be able to really really <laughs> reference that. I was not giving my full attention to the visuals of the of the, of the credits here that's because
2: uh, because there's a lot of ensemble of the show that's not in this. And so like there's yeah i'd say like half the characters who don't appear I... in in these episodes who are it's like no these are main characters or or you know as significant secondary characters as there are in the show
1: yeah i was when i when i was gonna pitch this i messaged andrew and he messaged back and forth for like a few hours in the middle of a day as just like i don't know which section of this first part mm-hmm. to like have joe watch because mm. there are Cause I don't think May's castle makes sense without the introduction of the other characters, which is in those seven episodes you didn't watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like the first eight episodes are Yusuke dies. He's resurrected. We establish Kuwabara and then Kuwabara is pushed to the side for like a short arc where he deals with three other demons, two mm-hmm. of which major recurring like main members of the cast.
2: Like, like they're, they're, Two of the characters that you have seen in these credits, Joseph. Yeah,
1: the guy okay. in the guy in pink with the red hair and the guy in, in black. black, with who's black short.
0: OK, yeah. that one did stand out. I do remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: that yeah. Visual. and then um, so like those two become main characters going forward and the those episodes that you skipped, like tell you who they are so that their story makes sense when they come back for the maze castle arc. And then and they're then gone for
2: this arc, but you get Kuobara back.
1: But you get more Kuobara and you meet Genkai.
2: And then moving forward, you kind of have everyone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it takes a lot longer to like do anything or like to really like talk about anything with proper context in arcs outside of these like first three.
2: It becomes too sprawling. Yeah, and 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 like I'd say the big thing that people think of from Yu Yu Hakusho is the Dark Tournament. I feel like Toonami like decided that they were going to go all in on Yu Yu Hakusho during the Dark Tournament. I felt like they like the advertising for it was like, "Don't miss the next episode of the Dark Tournament." Right, and Um, and that's a long arc, so that was not an option.
1: Yeah, it's it's like. 50 ish episodes of the total 112 episode run
2: is the dark tournament because it's it, Joseph it's a it's a team-based tournament and so you have a team of like four or five people against a team of four or five people you get each of their fights and then you get a total for those fights to see which team is moving forward in the, yeah. in the bracket
1: they're like single elim- elimination between team. five v five teams and then the team that won right, the most but it's a one-on-one forward.
2: fight most yeah. of the time
0: <laughs> right so and it's, so it's he, really gonna be stretching this out for,
1: for yeah viewers. so and there's four rounds in the dark tournament that you see uh use case team fight it so you have 26 one-on-one fights to cover it takes a little over 50
0: episodes <laughs> uh I, I understand why we didn't choose to cover that
1: yeah uh, i would <laughs> so, love to I, think I would that was love... my first
2: that was my first anime tournament
1: right uh i love the dark tournament there's there's so many really really good things there and the villain for the dark tournament arc uh mm-hmm. toguro is my favorite of the villains in the show really solid i love toguro he looks like the terminator uh <laughs> he very much just looks like like arnold schwarzenegger He he's just there in a trench coat and sunglasses and a crew cut but you have to get him to his final form <laughs> you have to get him to his final form uh multiple transformations that's the thing in anime
0: I will just real quick note. One thing that I meant to mention uh, since you asked about like character designs during this tournament that we talked about today. One of the figures has what appears to be a swastika on his forehead and it causes that immediate like instant like. Whoa, right. But, a that guy. In, but that's in a religious Japanese symbol. context. Yeah, it is. It is in the context of a religious symbol that was perverted by the Nazi party. Uh, but this is with with a, a particular religious context to it that is not the swastika of the Nazi party.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um it's also like a, a, a Buddhist symbol. Mm-hmm. So
2: you'll see it a lot uh, off and on in, in anime mm-hmm. um, and, and manga. And sometimes it gets tweaked and sometimes not. Right. Sometimes, sometimes an it'll editor's be censored note. Out completely. Yeah. Or they'll, they'll do a modification or they'll do an editor's note. I'd say in manga, they're more likely to have it in there with an editor's note, but I've also seen it like just changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, like the, the symbol, like
1: the symbol as it appears on, on that guy's head, the, the manji has to do more with like, uh, communicating that you're trying to like keep yourself well or you want to bring like well being out into the world around you is like what that symbol tends
0: to mean. Right. It, like, like for, uh, Western storytelling, like that's just instant super villain. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we yeah, see yeah. This. And, and so you did have, like, I did have to like modify my initial reaction. <laughs>
1: yeah for sure like it's it's definitely something that like because i've watched so much anime i tend to rec- recognize like very quickly that it's mm-hmm. like it's the manji
2: yeah I, i'd say anytime i see it in, in like an anime or manga context i immediately know i'm like okay
0: i can Not assume what I,
2: I can assume what's <laughs> going on in, unless they're actually depicting nazis in which case it's very obvious <laughs> yeah. right because sometimes that's the story they're telling it's world mm-hmm. war ii yeah yeah like in in helsing
1: where you have a vampire fighting nazi zombies
0: well on that note we're gonna wrap up this episode uh thank you for joining us special teas <laughs> for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows you can go to duelinggenre.com. also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we'd like to thank scott tofty who composed our theme music uh norman anything you'd like to plug
1: well, I, I guess I'll, I will I can plug Lord of the Rings a minute if you want to go back and listen to 750 episodes of uh, me and my my partner, Cass, uh, talk about Lord of the Rings one minute at a time. It is uh, a glorious podcast. Each episode is at least 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> and, and this is, uh, as you probably told the episode count that he just mentioned, the extended edition of the Lord of the Rings yeah. films. None of those theatrical releases for for Norman and Cass. The
1: the amount of time we spend talking about Lord of the Rings probably rivals the length of the One Piece anime.
0: (laughs) That's (laughs) your marker for a lot of media consumption. (laughs) One Piece anime. Uh, All right. Well, thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing use K, (sighs) your...